Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, it's Thomas Party. Welcome to this edition of Arsenal Audio Match Day Program. Arsenal versus Manchester City, Saturday, 1st of January 2022, kickoff 12:30 p.m. The contents: official voice around Arsenal, player feature Aaron Bramsdale, sustainability, history, community voice, academy young gun, around the academy, Arsenal women, visitors Manchester City. Match action, Arsenal versus Sunderland. Match action, Norwich versus Arsenal. Supporters voice and teams. Official voice, Vinay Venkatesham. Every match, we hear from senior figures at the club on our official voice pages of the match day program. This issue. Arsenal's chief executive officer, Vinay Venkatesham, looks back at a particularly challenging year in the history of the club. First and foremost, I'd like to wish you all the best for 2022. I hope it brings you and your families happiness and good health. As we enter a new year, it seems natural to reflect on the last 12 to 18 months, throughout which we've had a remarkable amount to contend with at Arsenal Football Club. The pandemic created, and continues to create, challenges the like of which we've never seen before and nobody could reasonably predict, most notably playing the best part of a season without our fans in attendance. In addition, there have been changes to the board, changes to the executive leadership, the situation with the European Super League, a new head coach for Arsenal women, likewise the under-23s, and so much more. As chief executive, Navigating the club through these turbulent times has of course been very demanding, but I've been greatly helped by fantastic support from the board throughout. In particular, having owners that are completely rock solid behind the club through all of the challenges posed by the pandemic has been invaluable. This has provided the club with stability, for example refinancing the stadium debt in a period when we had no fans at Emirates and has given us the financial support that enabled us to be very active in the transfer market last summer. Just as importantly, there's been an extraordinary effort from the amazing team of people who work across all of our sites, in every department at the club. The thing that binds our people together is that they love the Arsenal, and truly understand the privilege they have to work here. 
I see them pulling out all the stops, every day, to help us achieve our objectives. The commitment and passion from our people here is like nothing I've seen before in any other place I've worked, and we've needed that commitment, positivity and passion over the last 18 months to get through all of the challenges we've faced. I'm hugely grateful for their Herculean efforts. To go back to the challenges, on the pitch the stark reality is that our men's team finished 8th last season and did not qualify for Europe for the first time in decades. This was well short of the standards expected by every single fan, staff member, coach and player. We all know that's not good enough for Arsenal Football Club. We understood that the squad wasn't one or two players away, who we could sign and be catapulted back into the Champions League. It was clear that we needed a big rebuild and it had to be sustainable. Internally, we aligned around a plan to put together a squad with some of the best young talent in world football balanced with our more experienced players to lead and support them. We believe with Mikel and his coaching staff, we can develop our young squad into something special. Preparing for a transfer window is a huge undertaking and requires an exceptional amount of planning, but that counts for nothing if you can't execute your plan professionally and efficiently, making big decisions at speed when needed. Our activity last summer, where across purchases, sales and renewals in the men's team, academy and women's team, We did around 60 deals, was possible due to how well we worked together behind the scenes. Rich Garlick, our Director of Football Operations, has been a great addition to our team here, with the real unsung heroes being our legal and finance departments who were worked off their feet. In the window we signed young players, but intentionally young players who have plenty of experience and character, whether that's through the number of games they've played at a young age by having captaincy experience or having national team experience. Edu, Mikel and the recruitment team deserve great credit for their work in identifying these players, and although I'd stress it's still early days, it's very positive to see that our summer signings have all settled in well and have quickly become fan favourites. Our fans have been unbelievable this season, home and away, and I believe the atmosphere at Emirates has been as good this season as it has ever been. I hope that in part that's because our supporters can see the journey we're on, not just in terms of the players we've brought in, but how they have supplemented the fantastic youngsters we already had who came through the ranks at Hale End, like Bukayo, Emil, Eddie, Ainsley and Flo. Developing players through the academy has always been a really important part of the club. I can't tell you how proud it makes me to see two of the boys who have grown up with us at Hayland wearing two of our most iconic shirts in number 7 and number 10. It sends a really powerful message around the world about what we stand for at this football club. Hayland is in as good health as it has ever been, with Per and his team doing a fantastic job. It was another special night for the academy, and all at the club, when we saw Charlie Patino not only make his debut, but also score in our last home game against Sunderland. There's a positive momentum. We're also trying to be much more proactive in how we communicate, so we're clearer to our fans about what we're doing and why. And of course the Amazon documentary is part of that. But ultimately, it all comes down to the fact that the players on the pitch are playing to a high level. Words about how we want to get back to where we belong are one thing, but when we see evidence of it on the pitch, it really galvanises all of us. I want to remind everyone of the start we had to the season, even if we would all rather not remember it. We knew it was going to be difficult. It was Brentford's first game in the Premier League, and a first in their new stadium, and then Chelsea and Manchester City, who are today's visitors at the Emirates.
Knowing it was going to be difficult is one thing, but I don't think anything really prepares you for staring at a league table when you are bottom on zero points with a minus nine goal difference and having plenty of time to stew over it on an international break. But when I look back at that period, even in all of the gloom and the pressure, I saw a really important positive. Around London Colney, I saw a group that were hurting, but also had complete belief that we would turn it around and go in the right direction. And I can tell you that that's not often the case at a football club's training ground, when you have had three losses on the spin in really challenging games. For me, that was an important moment, as it was another proof that Mikel is building a really strong culture within the playing squad and staff and a real belief. That strong culture and belief is what helped pull us through that period and enabled us to turn around a very difficult start. We're the youngest team in the Premier League, but also a much-changed team, and it's inevitable there'll be other bumps in the road too. We have to recognise that, though it doesn't make defeats any less painful. Part of my job is ensuring we don't get too carried away in the good moments, and not too low when we have a difficult time. When it's good, we can't believe everything's perfect, or in the bad times that everything's broken. You have to have a clear plan and execute against it, You can't be blind and not recognise when it needs adjusting, but you can't allow yourself to be easily blown off course. In contrast to the men, our women's team had a fantastic start to the season right from the first game and remain unbeaten in the Women's Super League, sitting top of the league. I'm very fortunate and grateful to the long-standing commitment this club has had towards women's football, of which I'm a huge advocate. When Joe Montemuro left Arsenal, we had a big decision to make. Joe had delivered so much during his time with us and we'd worked really well together so we knew that the process for bringing in a new head coach wouldn't be easy. Alongside head of women's football Claire Wheatley, Edu and Rich Garlick we saw some fantastic candidates for the role of head coach but Jonas Eideval really was the standout. Things have gone incredibly well for Jonas and his team in the WSL and we've qualified for the knockout stages in the Champions League all helped by a busy summer where we significantly strengthened the squad. There have been some disappointments, such as the FA Cup final and some of the results in Europe, which show how competitive women's football is. I'm particularly grateful to the players, who we have an open and regular dialogue with around how we can keep pushing forward and improving on and off the pitch as the game continues to develop at real pace. All of us at the club were especially proud to see Kim Little's 150th goal for the club, Viv's 100th and winning BBC Women's Footballer of the Year, Leah Williamson captaining England and Jen Beattie winning the Helen Rollison Award at the Sports Personality of the Year Awards. We have some outstanding characters in our playing group. This last year has also provided many special memories away from the pitch, such as the outpouring of support for Bukayo after the Euros not just from Arsenal fans, but many, many supporters of other clubs. Then there's the work that unsung heroes do at our club, people like Lynn Chaney, who's in touch with families who are bereaved or experiencing great personal difficulties, of which I'm afraid Covid has seen a real surge in numbers. She ensures they find comfort and support from the club by way of messages from players or letters, and the way she's stepped up and other staff like her has made me so proud. Fans may have also heard about our steward Rebecca Meek and Luke Howard in the community team combining to make sure a young fan, who was having a difficult time at his first game against Leeds in the Carabao Cup, ended up watching the second half of the game in our sensory room, designed to help fans with autism. 
Their actions turned a negative experience into a positive one, which that supporter and his family will never forget. I've also been really pleased at how we've helped local businesses when they've needed it the most. The Tolly, Auto Parts and JNF Haircutters have all benefited from the exposure we've been able to give them, with more to come in 2022. We've also continued to maintain a strong focus on our community work during these very difficult times, both locally and abroad, such as in the Zatari refugee camp in Jordan in partnership with Save the Children. Helping others, however we can do it, is such an important part of who we are and how we can change lives. Of course, 2022 will bring us challenges. We're still grappling with the effects COVID has had on our sport. The fact we play the first game of the year without Mikel on the touchline is immediate evidence of that, and have the unique experience of a World Cup midway through the 2022-23 season, which we're already preparing for. But across our men's, women's and academy teams, we have much to be positive about. Thank you for all your amazing support. We never take it for granted and it pushes us forward both on and off the pitch every single day. Around Arsenal The photograph above this report has the caption Charlie Patino expertly slides home his first goal for the Gunners and our 900th at Emirates Stadium. 900 goals at Emirates. Our fifth goal against Sunderland in our last home match brought up 900 scored by the Gunners at Emirates Stadium. It was our 65th in the League Cup. The lion's share have, of course, come in the Premier League, and we will be hoping to make it 600 this afternoon and hoping not to add to the 252 against. Here's a full breakdown of all the goals scored at Emirates Stadium. Competition, league, played 294, won 191, drawn 64, lost 39, goals for 598, goals against 252. Competition, Champions League, played 55, won 37, drawn 9, lost 9, goals for 122, goals against 46. Competition, FA Cup. Played 28, won 21, drawn 4, lost 3, goals for 60, goals against 17. Competition League Cup. Played 29, won 22, drawn 1, lost 6, goals for 65, goals against 24. Competition Europa League. Played 24, won 15, drawn 5, lost 4. Goals for 55, goals against 19. In total, played 430, won 286, drawn 83, lost 61. Goals for 900, goals against 358. Happy New Year! The players, directors and staff would like to wish all Arsenal supporters a Happy New Year. We hope it's prosperous and healthy for everyone. Wolves issue available. 
Due to the late postponement of the Wolves game, the programme for the game on Tuesday had been produced and posted to subscribers. It looks highly likely that we will produce a new issue for this fixture when it is rescheduled and subscribers will notice a small number of features from the original Wolves version have been repurposed for today's programme. Collectors will be interested to note that our programme portal https colon slash slash program dot arsenal dot com slash currently has a limited amount of the first edition Wolves programs available. Wolves postponement. Supporters will be aware that our home game scheduled for last Tuesday, December the twenty eighth, against Wolverhampton Wanderers, was postponed due to the number of Wolves players who tested positive for COVID. At time of going to press, no new date had been finalised for this fixture. Please stay close to arsenal.com for the latest information. Liverpool in the Carabao Cup semis. Following our victory over Sunderland in the quarter-final, we have been drawn against Liverpool in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup. The tie will be played over two legs as follows. Arsenal vs Liverpool. Carabao Cup semi-final first leg, Thursday, January the 6th, kick-off, 7.45pm. Liverpool vs Arsenal, Carabao Cup semi-final second leg, Thursday, January the 13th, kick-off, 7.45pm. Please visit arsenal.com for ticket details. The other semi-final is between Chelsea and Tottenham, with both games being played on the corresponding Wednesdays. Chelsea are at home first. Ref Watch. Today's referee is Stuart Outwell from Warwickshire. Stuart is officiating his second Arsenal game this season, having presided over our 2 0 win over Newcastle on November the 27th. Last season, he was in charge of our 3 0 league defeat at home to Liverpool, our 4 2 home win over Leeds, and in the Carabao Cup, he was the man in the middle when today's visitors, Manchester City, beat us in the quarter final 4 1 here at Emirates. This season in the Premier League, Stewart has handed out 32 yellow cards in 10 games. He has yet to send off a player in 2021-22. Game decided in Nottingham. We take on Nottingham Forest next Sunday, January the 9th in the FA Cup third round, kick-off 5.10pm. The FA have recently confirmed that replays will not take place in the FA Cup at the third and fourth round stage to ease fixture congestion caused by COVID-19 postponements. If Arsenal's game at the City ground finishes level after 90 minutes, extra time will be played and, if necessary, penalties. The intention is for replays to return for season 2022-23. Please note, the kick-off for this game at the City Ground has been brought forward by five minutes from the original time of 5.15pm. Notice board, totaliser £815. Happy 13th birthday, Lewis Saunders, a Mad Gunners fan, love Mummy, Daddy and Holly. Happy 16th birthday, Sophie Menzies-Gow, here's hoping for three points. Love Mum, Dad, Rachel and Remy. Congratulations, Sophie and Jake, for their new arrival. Welcome to the Arsenal, Alfie Radcliffe. Happy birthday, Tuesday Dad. Hope it's a great game that we will be able to tell Mum about. Love, John.
Happy birthday, Oliver Lawrence, love mum, dad and Emily. Welcome to the world, Amelia Sheldon McCullough. We are so excited for the future, with lots of happy memories at Emirates. Lots of love, mum and dad. Arsenal remembers. John Farnan. Aged 60 from Dublin, Ireland, the biggest Arsenal fan, sadly missed by his six children, Lindsay, JJ, Stacey, Sophie, Shree and Stephen, and his 18 beautiful grandchildren. Up the gunners! Peter Duncan and Peter Barnett both lived locally and were lifelong Arsenal fans and friends and passed within a few weeks of each other. The Duke and Bomber will be deeply missed by all their family and friends. Liverpool game postponed. We can now confirm that our Premier League fixture versus Liverpool on Saturday, February the 26th has been postponed due to the participation of Arsenal or Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final. A new date for this match has yet to be finalised. Important notice to fans. Over the past few home matches, there have been a number of people who have entered the pitch during or after the match has finished. We strongly remind everyone that this is a criminal offence against the Football Offences Act. In addition, people risk injury to themselves should they slip. They also risk injury to stewards who have to deal with the situation. And in these Covid times, there is an increased risk of possible infection into the pitch area. All of the people who have entered the field of play have now received a three-year ban from the club in keeping with our sanctioned guidelines available on arsenal.com. If anyone is thinking of doing this, please refrain, as it brings the club's name into disrepute. Supporters Club Meet Jack Our monthly Supporters Club Zoom meeting had a very special guest for Christmas in our very own Super Jack. Jack spent 45 minutes answering questions from more than 80 delegates from 60 different countries, representing in excess of 100,000 members worldwide. He talked honestly about his own career, the highs and the lows, and what the future may hold as far as both playing and coaching are concerned. Our worldwide supporters club base goes from strength to strength and if anyone is interested in joining their local club then all the details of our network can be found at www.arsenal.com slash fanzone slash arsenal hyphen supporters hyphen clubs. If you would like further details on potentially starting your own club, if your area is not covered, then get in touch with our supporters' liaison officer, Mark Brindle, on mbrindle at arsenal.co.uk. Ticket News Home, Arsenal vs Burnley, Premier League, Saturday, January the 22nd, 2022, kick-off 3pm. This is a Category C fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 200 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to all current silver, red, purple, cannon and junior gunner members only. Arsenal vs Brentford Premier League, Saturday, February the 19th, 2022, kick-off 3pm. Please note this fixture is still subject to change. This is a Category C fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 200 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to all current silver, purple, cannon and junior gunner members only. Away, Tottenham vs Arsenal. 
Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Premier League, Sunday, January the 16th, kick-off 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture has sold out. Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal City Ground, FA Cup third round, Sunday, January the 9th, kick-off 5.10pm, live on ITV. Please visit arsenal.com for priority booking periods. Player feature. Our England international goalkeeper on silencing the doubters, why he celebrates every goal as if he scored it himself, and what Arsenal need to do to take the next step forward. Aaron Ramsdale doesn't hide. He doesn't give in either. The goalkeeper arrived at Arsenal in the summer to a warm welcome from those who believed in his talent, but also a certain amount of scepticism from those who didn't know him or looked only at his record in successive relegations with Bournemouth and Sheffield United. Aaron was unmoved though. He was determined to prove himself to himself and to those who know him best. It's fair to say that he's doing a great job of that so far. His determination echoes the mood among the whole squad. So now seems like a fitting time for him to discuss his move to Arsenal. From his own form, the team's progress and why his passion for the game and this club is so strong. Could you have imagined when you were relegated last season that by Christmas you would have established yourself in the Arsenal team and would have been receiving so much praise for your standard of goalkeeping? Not really. I always knew it would come at some point. I did believe that deep down, but obviously the start I've had in the team, combined with the run that we've been on, has definitely helped. You can see the sort of confidence and enthusiasm I'm playing with, and everyone loves playing with confidence. There were some eyebrows raised when you signed for Arsenal, but you've answered the critics, haven't you? Well, obviously there were people saying certain things, but I wasn't listening to it, because they weren't the ones paying the money for me. They weren't the ones wanting me to come and play for Arsenal, and they weren't the ones who were going to pick me to play for Arsenal. I was more bothered about what the boss wanted from me, what he wanted to get out of me, and what my teammates wanted from me as well. So, I've answered the critics for now, but I'd like to be judged over two, three, four years, not just a few games. Would you say you've exceeded expectations since you arrived in North London? I don't think the people who really know me would say that I've exceeded expectations because they believe I can do more and go even further. But maybe those who don't know me have been a bit shocked by how I've done. But the people I've worked with before, from the messages I've received and the conversations we've had, are telling me that I can still do better. Your long passes into midfield have caught the eye as well. Is that something you've always worked on? It's something I enjoy doing. I've played a few at Sheffield United and it's something I did for England through the age groups when I was younger. At Sheffield United, we had a different style of football and you have to adapt. I've come here and we want to play out from the back so I get quite a lot of control over how we do that and it's good because I get to express myself that way. You're treating us to some goal celebrations as well. Most recently, the Thierry Henry knee slide. I didn't know if he was at the game but I thought the big man should get a little mention. It's happened a few times, but must not have been picked up, and this time it was. It looks like I've scored a 30-yard screamer 
But I think the day I stopped celebrating goals, that is the day I should retire because my love for football would have changed. You like a bit of banter, don't you? And the cupped ear celebration. We had two tough games last season against Southampton with Sheffield United and one of their players made a comment after one of the games. So that was a little, well, there you are. Back to him. I enjoyed the win at Leicester as well and it helps that I have a really strong bond with the away supporters. It really does lift you up a few feet when you're playing and they're consistently singing about you. I've had a good relationship with the fans at every club I've played for and I guess one of the reasons is my passion, my enthusiasm when we score. I really do connect with them because when I'm playing for the football club, I end up supporting the football club. So I want nothing more than Arsenal to win, whether I'm playing or not. Then the Everton game was funny because their fans were singing for Jordan Pickford and the away fans were singing back at them for me. You would have thought we were the only two players on the pitch. How impressed are you with Mikel Arteta's project and how much belief do you have in this young Arsenal side that you find yourself in? I'm really looking forward to seeing how we do with this project and this team. On average, we're the youngest team in this league, so it's probably not surprising that we've had games where we've been a little less consistent. And as players, we have to break away from that. We have to work ourselves to do the right things to continue being consistent. But seeing where we can go from here is definitely going to be exciting. Do you feel we still need a big win against a big team to really help us kick on? Yes, you could say that. But we're also realistic about where we are right now. We know we're not challenging for the league, but we know what we've got to do. Apart from Everton, our defeats recently have been against the teams near the top of the table. We want to beat everyone and beating West Ham to go fourth was a bit of a statement but there's plenty more football to come from us. Ben White and Gabriel are forming quite a partnership. Does that give you confidence playing behind them? Yeah, I enjoy working with them every day and playing with them every weekend. They both love defending, love making tackles and blocking shots, so it's always easier for me when that happens because I have less to do. It's a weird dynamic because Gabriel's learning English, but somehow they have really good communication on the pitch. There's a good dynamic between the three of us as well. How hard was it coming back from such a difficult start to the season? It was hard, but the team is good and we're showing a lot of character at the moment. We're not giving in or hiding behind any challenge and that's a credit to the staff and ourselves for the work we're putting in. Do the critics motivate the players as a group? I think we used the start of the season as fuel and it gave us the determination to hit back. We went on a good run, then we had a little blip, but we don't let it affect us. How much did you learn from your experiences with Bournemouth and Sheffield United? A hell of a lot. I don't think I actually realised how much I did learn, but they were two experiences that were invaluable for me and it's something I have over a lot of players my age. Obviously, relegation is not the greatest feeling in football, but I did learn a lot about myself. And how did it feel when Arsenal came in for you? I was excited, and I knew it was something I wanted to happen. I was told from day one it would be a challenge, and it might take six months or a year to get into the team. It took three weeks, but I knew it would be tough, and Bert and I push each other on in training, so I know that if I'm not on it, he'll be there to take the shirt back off me. Did you feel under pressure moving to a big club like Arsenal? No pressure. I just took it in my stride, really. It is a big club, but 
but I don't really think about the pressures from the outside. I listen to my coach and my teammates. I don't really feel the pressure. And how did it feel to make your England debut? It was a very special night and it meant a lot of my hard work from the age of seven paid off just for that moment. A lot of my family got to come over, which made it even more special. It gave me a taste of international football. Now I want more caps, but I genuinely didn't think it would happen so soon at that camp. I thought maybe March would be when I'd get a game. When Gareth told me, I smiled and then thought, maybe I shouldn't. And he said, it's alright, you can smile. On Instagram recently you wrote, I love this club, I love this team. Is it fair to say you're enjoying life here? That sums it up pretty well. I'm loving my football and the love that I'm getting from my teammates and the fans is amazing. The fans are really getting behind us and I think they're seeing improvements every week. And I think the team is great because there's a good dynamic of younger and older players. Lads who just want to work harder and get better. And someone like Laka, who's one of the senior players, but is there on the training pitch early every day, wanting to work and wanting to learn. When we come into the dressing room, it's mayhem at the moment with the restrictions coming back in. But we're doing our best to keep ourselves happy and entertained. And these lads are great. And are all the players enjoying the Saka and Smith-Rowe song? We've asked if we can get it on the stadium when we win. That would be rocking. But those two are sensational at the moment. If we can keep them both fit and help them by not putting too much pressure on their shoulders, they'll be flying. But that song definitely gets the team bus rocking after the game. Arsenal Football Club, red, white and green. Sustainability Focus. Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future. And the Match Day programme is taking the lead. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue is offsetting the emissions generated during the programme production process, creating the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link have estimated we need to plant 12,500 trees, each absorbing 20 kilograms of CO2 over the next 10 years. The programme is also sponsoring small environmental projects around the club, as well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials. We are also highlighting our printer's environmental efforts. In addition, in each programme we showcase significant club-wide projects being undertaken as part of our drive to greater sustainability. In this issue, the holistic approach of our offsetting providers. Don't blame the pineapples. As staff members move away from paper, our printers have got it sorted with paper recycling. The Diamond Club's commitments to sustainability. A junior gunner's clever Christmas recycling. Bishop's backing. Arsenal's programme print partners, Bishop's Printers, are considered one of the most environmentally conscious printers in the UK. Here we highlight their sustainability credentials. Bishops are very careful to ensure that all of their waste paper is sorted by type. This ensures that white waste paper and mixed paper can both be collected for recycling, comprehensively using the different processes they require. As we've said before, bishops are actually aware that paper is a precious resource. FSC, Forests for All Forever. 
Perils of pineapple. Carbon-linked development of the forest reserve area is crucial for sustaining an area of forest in Kenya, a country that has suffered greatly through deforestation over recent decades. If forested land in this part of the world isn't protected, it's in danger of being felled to make charcoal or cleared for growing pineapples. Arsenal Forest, the backstory. The Arsenal Forest is administered by Carbon Link, which has been working with the community of Boar in Kenya for 14 years. When the partnership started in 2008, it was all about planting trees and the main nursery remains the central element of the wider project. But since that time, the initiative has diversified and now includes a wide range of interventions, including a classroom building program, nine constructed so far, a community forest centre and a community forest reserve. It's not enough just to plant trees. To ensure that they survive and thrive, the community need to be supported in different ways and are also given training in pest control, irrigation techniques and seed collection. The forest reserve comprises 285 hectares of protected coastal forests that would originally have stretched from southern Africa all the way up to Somalia. In exchange for a small payment, local landowners agree not to fell any trees or make charcoal within the reserve boundaries. The forest area is located within the reserve and only a couple of miles from the Arsenal Forest planting site. Once COVID-19 has been relegated back to that hateful no-name league it came from, any supporters who contribute to the Arsenal Forest will be very welcome to make their way over to Boar, where they can stay in the centre and check out their trees. Programme Upcycling Scheme Any programmes that we don't sell have traditionally been offered to our community projects as valuable resources. However, we will be more than happy to let supporters get involved in this upcycling if they have a charity, school or community venture that could benefit from old issues and have the means to be able to collect them from the stadium. Please drop us an email to programme at arsenal.co.uk outlining where and why you would like to use the old programmes and we'll be in touch. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received a number of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Thanks so much for getting involved in this exciting project. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Go to www.carbonlink.org forward slash the dash arsenal dash forest dash in dash africa for more info and details of how to be part of our forest diamonds are forever premium hospitality area is championing sustainability the diamond club is the premium hospitality suite at emirates stadium under the leadership of head chef tommy and his highly skilled team this restaurant has been providing michelin star quality food for arsenal fans since the stadium opened its doors back in 2006. But it isn't only exquisite food that Tommy dedicates his time to. 
Sustainability is also a passion of the team at the Diamond Club, and they have been working hard to change towards making it a more sustainable operation. Prior to COVID and the lockdown in 2020, the restaurant was a member of the Sustainable Restaurant Association, SRA. The SRA was set up to help the catering hospitality industry to become more sustainable. They do this by assessing and crediting restaurants across a wide range of areas. For example, the restaurant is lit by LED lights, which use up to 30% less electricity than conventional lighting. But it is in the sourcing of the food where Tommy and his team have achieved the most. They have been able to source 80% of their fresh ingredients from the UK, cutting down on emissions from transporting to Emirates, while all fish is sustainably sourced as well. As with all catering operations, managing the food waste is always a tricky process. Where possible, food from across the stadium after a match day is donated to City Harvest. By taking food and distributing it across their charity network, City Harvest are working to help feed those most in need. Any food that cannot be donated for human consumption is collected by Veolia and taken for anaerobic digestion a process that is helping to generate power from waste food. Eco-Gunners. We ask young Arsenal supporters to tell us how they are helping the planet. Sam, aged 8 from Essex, is an environmentally conscious junior gunner who has done something special for Christmas. I really like to help our environment and keep our world clean and animals safe. I've taken part in our village litter pick and like to help protect the local wildlife's habitats. This year I've been thinking of other ways I can help, so I made Christmas decorations from the recycling in our house. I've made lots of snowmen from toilet and kitchen roll tubes, and have given them to my friends and family to hang on their trees or make into a Christmas garland. I hope my new decorations will be used lots and lots of times in the future. I am now planning on making decorations from recycling other celebrations too, such as birthdays, Easter and Halloween. That's superb work, Sam. Octopus Energy, our official energy supplier and who are supporting the club on its sustainability journey, are sending you a cuddly octopus. Are you a young gunner who is thinking about the environment? Email juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. If we feature you in the programme, our friends at Octopus will send you one too. Octopus 137 games played using sustainable energy to power the stadium. 11.5 million kilograms carbon saved. Staff support. Every issue of the programme we find out what Arsenal staff are doing to become more sustainable. Publications manager Andy Exley has taken a three-pronged approach to going green. My family have changed a number of things recently. Firstly, we never, well hardly ever, use the car for local journeys under a mile. We will walk, good for the dog, or use our bikes. Secondly, we only eat red meat once a week now, knowing the carbon cost of red meat, and we try to eat as much locally sourced fruit and veg as possible. Lastly, we now recycle pretty much everything, to the point where I have to jump on our blue bin at least three times a fortnight. Great hat-trick, Andy. Behind the Headline 
Gentlemen whose sole ability to build up a good side depends on the payment of heavy and exorbitant transfer fees need not apply. Athletic News, 11th of May, 1925. After Arsenal dispensed with the services of manager Leslie Knighton, an advertisement was placed in Athletic News at the behest of Chairman Sir Henry Norris, inviting prospective candidates to apply for the position of team manager. The posting referred specifically to candidates' ability and personal character, with the club looking for the highest qualifications in both areas. But it was the reference to Arsenal's reluctance to pay heavy and exorbitant transfer fees that set the man who would fill the post, one Herbert Chapman, a real challenge, particularly after the former Huddersfield Town Supremo decided to put the feelers out for Sunderland's legendary forward Charlie Buchan, who had plundered 224 goals in 413 games during a brilliant 15-year spell on Wearside. Legendary Gunners winger Joe Holm explained, Herbert Chapman knew that football was all about entertainment and that supporters like to see big names. When Chapman strode purposely into Buchan's gentleman's outfitter's shop in Sunderland and informed the 33-year-old Plumstead-born Buchan that he would not leave until he'd secured his signature, he put into motion arguably the most talked-about transfer of the decade. Sir Henry Norris was unwilling to pay the required £4,000 fee in one lump sum and instead set up a deal in which Sunderland received £2,000 up front and £100 for each goal Buchan scored in an Arsenal shirt. The deal would eventually cost the Gunners £4,100 once Buchan had finished scoring goals in N5 with his customary aplomb. Chapman remains perhaps Arsenal's most influential manager, but the many biographies that have been penned about him don't give Buchan adequate credit for the foundations of success that were laid in the latter part of the 1920s, aside from the deployment of the WM formation in which Buchan played a key role. In Buchan, Chapman had gained a highly experienced, groundbreaking player, proving that, with a degree of imagination and hard work, it was possible to circumnavigate the restrictive maximum wage system he opened up his sports outfitters in Sunderland after the First World War, lamenting that it brought him greater financial reward than his footballer's wage. It brought him castigation from the FA, who wrote to him warning, Your business activities will not, we trust, affect your performances on the pitch. Buchan also penned articles for various newspapers, further broadening his horizons. His aura was quite unlike anyone else's in the game, and he and Chapman saw eye to eye on the potential for building a dynasty in the capital city. What a chance there is in London. I would like to build a Newcastle United there, a thrill Chapman told writer Ivan Sharp in 1914 after an early visit to Highbury. And Hulme recalled Buchan saying that, although he'd loved his long spell in Sunderland, he was looking forward to making a name for himself in London. Buchan's baptism as an Arsenal player on the opening day of the 1925-26 campaign couldn't have been more high-profile. Arsenal would face 
Tottenham. They wouldn't have known it at the time, but the 53,183 Arsenal fans who streamed into Highbury to watch the North London derby were about to witness the early stages of a football revolution, albeit in far less grandiose surroundings than those that would exist when Chapman died in 1933. The Gunners lost 1-0 under the scorching sun to a goal by Tottenham's Jimmy Dimmock after Arsenal defenders Andy Kennedy and Billy Milne indulged in a spot of after you, please, according to the Daily Gazette. Arsenal regulars slipped away disappointed, but were aware of Chapman's advice to not expect too much in too little time. Despite drawing a blank in his first four matches, the hype surrounding Bucken was sensational, and the press descended on Highbury to snap him in action for his new club. The Times was mightily impressed with the club's new signing, commenting, Some of his touches revealed the mastermind of a great thinker. Tellingly, the sporting life and sportsman reported the turnstiles were still clicking merrily and later in the afternoon it was officially announced that the attendance was 53,000, a great send-off from a financial point of view. Gunners fan Leslie Anderson recalled Highbury was a sprawling bowl back then. By the time Herbert Chapman arrived, it held 50,000, but it was always half-empty, because the team was a bit of a letdown, really. Then it all changed in 1925. I can remember the great Charlie Buchan making his debut for Arsenal like it was yesterday. He had genuine star quality. Almost a century on, the sense of wonder is visible on fans' faces on the photographs as the team's new talisman leads out his new teammates against Tottenham. Whenever we stepped out into the streets near Highbury, supporters wanted to rub shoulders with Charlie, recalled Hulm. Whether it was to get his autograph or simply take a look at him, he was the one that everyone wanted to see. Because of his height, he stuck out a mile, and everyone wanted to see him. It didn't stop the supporters criticising Bucken for his initial gold drought, though, and he had to endure listening to their barbed criticisms on his lack of goals on the tube near the ground. But after he scored at home to Liverpool in September, his fifth game, he didn't look back. Bucken scored in wins against Leeds United and West Ham in September, and following a 7-0 hammering at Newcastle United in early October, he played a key role in formulating the tactical blueprint that was the basis of Arsenal's success in the 1930s. But first and foremost, Charlie Bucken was Arsenal's first superstar player. Quite how Chapman convinced Norris to circumnavigate his own transfer ruling remains unclear, but it was the most important task he completed during his early days at Highbury. Arsenal in the Community Community Voice Arsenal in the Community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue we hear about one of our projects from their perspective.
Arsenal in the community supports short-term initiatives alongside long-term projects. One example is our work supporting the charity Crisis with its Christmas programme. Over the past eight years, this has included arranging donations to provide match tickets, sport delivery sessions at crisis centres and an annual football tournament. Ian Richards is head of Christmas at Crisis. Arsenal in the Community's Assist programme has added so much value to Crisis at Christmas over the years. It has become a highlight for many of our guests, taking their first steps out of homelessness. The quality football training provided through the programme helps restore confidence, dignity and motivation. Each year, Arsenal in the Community has hosted our inter-centre football tournament, which takes our centres by storm. Volunteers, staff and guests go wild each time their team wins. And being part of a team does wonders for our guests. They gain a sense of belonging, build trust and forge lasting friendships. Unfortunately, this year we aren't able to go ahead with the tournament, but coaching will still be provided to guests at our Camden Day Centre. And Arsenal have very kindly offered tickets to 20 guests from two of our centres for the Arsenal v Wolves game. Thank you for all that you do to support people experiencing homelessness in your local community. Luke Howard is Arsenal in the Community Accessibility Coordinator. Over the past eight years, I've seen our relationship with Crisis evolve, working in partnership to look at where we can be most supportive and learning from volunteers and guests about how we can be better. This is a source of great pride to our staff. A lot of people here are lonely at Christmas because they have no family. We bring everyone together to support each other. Crisis guest. No one deserves to be homeless. No one. We are all human beings. Crisis is the national charity for homeless people. Throughout the year we help people out of homelessness and campaign for the social changes needed to solve it all together. Every Christmas we mobilise a unique volunteering effort to provide warmth, companionship and vital services to people facing homelessness at one of the toughest times of the year. Visit crisis.org.uk or contact Luke Howard at lhoward at arsenal.co.uk Academy, Young Gun, Alexander Kovacevic. The basics. Name, Alexander Kovacevic. Born, London, May 9th, 2005. Joined, 8th of June, 2016. Height and weight, 6 foot 4 inches, 80 kilograms. Position, goalkeeper. Boots, Adidas. School, Holland Park School, secondary. St. Saviour, primary. I may be a goalkeeper now but one of my earliest football memories is being outfield. I joined a Sunday team called Actual Soccer with a load of my schoolmates and remember in one of my very first games I scored a goal from the halfway line. Admittedly the pitches were tiny, so it's probably like scoring from the edge of the area now, but I was only six. I was playing as a left-back at the time and there's a very good reason for it. My idol growing up was Alexander Kolarov. I used to absolutely love him. We were both left-footed, Both left-backs both had a bit of a shot on us, and of course, he's Serbian too. I watched him a lot and I supported Manchester City because of it. But I have to admit, I wasn't very good playing outfield. 
I was really fast and I was decent technically, but I found that I was always out of breath and I was so much taller than all of my teammates. So one day, my coach suggested that I should go in goal. I never thought it would take me to Arsenal. I loved it from the first training session. Growing up, I was that kid who was always jumping and bouncing around everywhere like a ball of energy. I was willing to throw myself about the place and I guess I had that natural instinct of being a goalkeeper. We were a really good Sunday league team. We played one or two years above our age group and we won the league every season that I was there. It didn't take me long to realise that I was a pretty decent goalkeeper. Maybe only a few training sessions really. I remember a ball smashed me right in my face pretty early on and I just kind of shrugged it off. I was just happy that I saved the shot. I was really loud as a kid too and that definitely helped with communication and leadership on the pitch at an age when most kids don't say a word. Plus I was decent on the ball because I'd played outfield before. I ended up playing better and better and I eventually went for trials at Brentford and QPR but I really didn't like it. I didn't like the environment and just wanted to be back on the pitch with my mates again but then I was scouted by Arsenal and this is when everything changed. My brother's coach knew someone from Arsenal and after watching me play one day, he contacted a scout at the club and told them that they needed to take a look at me. They did. I played well. They spoke to me after the game, and I've been here ever since. How could I say no? I loved my time at Hale End. It was amazing. When I first joined at the end of under-11s, I was so far behind the other boys because they'd been playing academy football for years. But as I grew into the squad, the more I played, the better I got, and they saw more of my potential for growth. I remember getting my first set of kits and thinking, wow, this is the next step. I need to step up. Being able to tell my mates that I joined the club was amazing and they were so happy for me. But being young, I remember them asking me to get them kits and I always had to say no because I needed them myself. I would turn up to a game without my shirt otherwise. Fast forward a few years and I've made my debut for the under 18s at just 16 years of age. I have to admit, I was really nervous in the build-up but then I had a word with myself, calmed down and treated it just like a normal game. I tried not to think about it too much and to just do what I do my best. Going into this season as one of the youngest members of the squad, I knew that game time would be difficult to come by, especially as a first-year scholar. So for me, this year has been all about training as hard as I can and showing the coaches what I can do to earn their trust. There's always really strong competition between the goalkeepers and only one person can start between the sticks. So it's not quite the same as other positions and you need to remain patient for your chance to shine. When I look up to the first team and see the likes of Aaron Ramsdale and Bernd Leno, it reminds me just how good you need to be to reach the very top and I'm determined to get there. For me, Aaron Ramsdale is the perfect goalkeeper. He has all the attributes you want from a goalkeeper and his passion for winning is definitely something that I've got too. I just need to learn to control the passion and I hope one day I can do it for the first team. Around the Academy End of Year Roundup our under-23s and under-18s are still involved in numerous competitions as they enter the halfway stage of their respective campaigns. Since losing their opening games of the season, Kevin Betsy's young charges have been in largely impressive form in Premier League 2 and sit fourth after 14 matches. Florian Balogun is our top scorer in the competition, chipping in with 13 goals in 11 appearances. 
and he'll be hoping for many more as we look to close the five-point gap on leaders West Ham in the new year. The good form has been replicated in cup competitions too, most notably the Papa John's Trophy, where we've reached the round of 16 and will face Chelsea's under-21s in January. We've taken some big scalps on our way, including Newport County and a dramatic penalty shootout win at Ipswich. And Betsy's men sit second in their Premier League Cup group at the halfway stage, four points behind West Brom, but above Bournemouth and Southampton. Our under-18s have also shown glimpses of real progress and currently sit sixth in the under-18s Premier League table after 12 games. Talented young striker Kyan Edwards is our top scorer in the league with nine goals from 12 appearances and has also chipped in with five assists. Dan Michike's side topped their group in the Premier League Cup and will hope to progress in 2022 especially as they bowed out of the FA Youth Cup to Colchester United in the third round. Loan update. Nine of our young gunners are currently away from the club on loan as they look to continue their development. Dijan Ilyev, after an encouraging start to his spell with Orion Trip Sirad in Slovakia, starting his side's opening nine games of the season, Dejan has had a torrid time with injury of late, forcing him to miss their last 11 games. Our goalkeeper will hope to put his injury woes behind him in the new year. Jonathan Dinziyi has featured just three times while away at Carlisle United. Our defender is often the mainstay of the matchday squad, but has struggled for minutes in League 2 so far this season. Jordi Oese Tutu, our right-back, started Nottingham Forest's first two games of the season before a hamstring injury forced him to miss their next 20 in all competitions. Jordi recovered from his setback, but on his return to the Forest side, he unfortunately picked up another injury in their win over Hull City on December 18. Daniel Ballard, a fan's favourite on loan at Millwall, He's featured 21 times in all competitions, scoring once. Our defender's good form was sadly curtailed by a knee injury, which has ruled him out of action for several months. Harry Clark has had an impressive spell on loan in the Scottish Premiership with Ross County, a versatile midfielder who can also play in defence. Harry has become a mainstay of the side's starting eleven, featuring 17 times, scoring three and assisting twice. Matt Smith, our midfielder, has continued his impressive development with Doncaster Rovers in League One, where he's featured 25 times in all competitions and had experience of playing in the FA Cup. Miguel Aziz has struggled for minutes at the start of the season with League One Portsmouth, but our midfielder has become a regular starter in recent weeks and has featured nine times in all competitions so far this season, scoring once and assisting once. Nikolai Muller has had a productive loan spell with FC Victoria Köln in Germany, scoring three goals in 13 appearances so far this season. Our Swedish striker has also assisted once while away in the German third tier. Tyrese John-Jules, after being involved in 10 of Blackpool's first 11 games and assisting twice, our striker has struggled to establish himself with the championship side and not featured since October. Debut Delight 
Charlie Patino marked his first senior appearance for the club with a moment he'll never forget, scoring our fifth goal in our 5-1 win over Sunderland in the Carabao Cup quarter-final. Charlie took to the pitch with 10 minutes remaining and became the first academy graduate to score on his senior debut since Sanchez War against West Brom in the same competition back in 2009. Our 18-year-old midfielder was joined on the pitch by Florin Balogun, Fresh from being crowned Premier League 2 Player of the Month, Balogun played 56 minutes of our win at Emirates Stadium. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Jen picks up BBC Award. There was an emotional moment for our own Jennifer Beattie on Sunday, September 19th, when she received the Helen Rowlison Award at the BBC Sports Personality of the Year 2021. The Scotland defender was diagnosed with breast cancer in October 2020 after discovering a lump but continued to play for club and country and is now cancer-free. She uses her platform as a professional footballer to raise awareness and encourage other women to check themselves regularly and seek immediate help if necessary. Jen described receiving the award as a huge honour. Getting told you have cancer is a life-changing moment. It was horrific. There is no other way to describe it, especially in the middle of a pandemic when you don't have your friends and family there with you. Even being able to say the words cancer-free is just the best feeling. Beattie's father, Scottish broadcaster and former rugby union player, John, was understandably proud. Of all the things she's done, this is the most important moment. You can always be recognised for being good at kicking a ball, but she wanted it to be about making sure she saved some lives. I can honestly say that getting checked is one of the most important things, added Jen. If you feel anything that feels out of the norm, go get checked. It definitely saved my life. The Helen Rowlison Award recognises outstanding achievement in the face of adversity and was introduced to the show in 1999 in memory of the BBC sport journalist and presenter who died of cancer that year at the age of 43. Congratulations, Jen. Everyone at Arsenal is so proud of your courage and determination to help others. Brighton match postponed. Arsenal's final match of 2021, the visit of Brighton and Hove Albion to Meadow Park on Sunday, December 19th, was postponed the day before it was due to be played which means the Gunners head into the new year four points clear of Chelsea, whose game at home to West Ham United was also called off. The decision was made by the FA following ongoing Covid issues, and a revised date will be announced in due course. All tickets will remain valid for the rearranged fixture, but the club will refund any ticket holders who are unable to attend on the revised date. All ticket holders will be contacted with further details when we have them. United are up first in Continental Cup. Arsenal don't do away draws at the moment, hot on the heels of being drawn at home to London City Lionesses in the FA Cup fourth round. The Gunners will also face Manchester United at Meadow Park in the quarter-finals of the Continental Cup. 
This will actually mark Arsenal's bow in this season's competition, as teams involved in the revamped Champions League group stage were given a bye to the last date. The tie will take place on January 19th to 20th, and once again details will be announced as soon as we have them. For now, it's worth remembering that we won 2-0 away at Manchester United in the Women's Super League last month, and our only previous meeting in the Continental Cup came in a 2019 semi-final that the Gunners won 2-1 thanks to a Vivian Medima double. Arsenal face German test in Europe. The Gunners have been drawn to face two-time former winners VfL Wolfsburg in the Champions League as we take part in the quarter-finals for a record 14th time. Jonas Eideval's team will play the Bundesliga runners-up at home in the first leg on March 22nd to 23rd before travelling to Germany for the second leg on March 30th to 31st. The winner of the tie will then face Real Madrid or Barcelona in the semi-finals. We have history against Wolfsburg, who beat Chelsea 4-0 in their final group game to eliminate the English champions earlier this month. We last faced them in the semi-finals back in 2013, when they won 4-1 on aggregate and went on to lift the trophy for the first time by beating Lyon 1-0 in the final. In the other half of the draw, former Arsenal manager Joe Montemuro's Luventus will face seven-time champions Lyon while German champions Bayern Munich will take on the team that ended Lyon's run of 14 straight league titles, Paris Saint-Germain. Full fixture and ticketing details will be announced in due course. Visitors, Manchester City. Words, Mike Hammond, Photography, Getty Images. Formed, 1880. Nickname, The Citizens. Owners, City Football Group. Stadium, Etihad Stadium. Capacity, 53,400. Honours, First Division Stroke Premier League, times 7. FA Cup, times 6. League Cup, times 8. Community Shield, times 6. European Cup Winners' Cup, times 1. Premier League champions five times in the last decade and in three of the past four years under Pep Guardiola, including last season, Manchester City continue to dominate the English football landscape as we enter 2022. They were top of the Premier League pile once again going into the festive period, a run of eight successive wins having preceded their Boxing Day fixture at home to Leicester City and the visit to Brentford three days later. 2021 would have been the perfect year for Pep and his players, but for their 1-0 defeat by Chelsea in the UEFA Champions League final in Porto. It was the first time the club had reached the final of Europe's flagship competition, and needless to say, the conquest of Europe remains their foremost ambition for 2022. They won their group in the autumn ahead of Paris Saint-Germain, RB Leipzig and Club Bruges, and will face Portuguese champion Sporting next month in the round of 16. Before then, however, City have five Premier League fixtures, starting with this clash at Emirates Stadium, where they were twice victorious last season, winning 4-1 in the quarter-finals of the Carabao Cup and 1-0 in the league, that latter victory the 13th in a run of 15 straight, 
that saw off their challenges in the title race, which they eventually won by 12 points. City also went on to win the League Cup for the fourth year running, but that lengthy reign ended in October when West Ham knocked them out of the competition on penalties. City also lost the Community Shield at the start of the season, going down 1-0 to Leicester at Wembley, but will hope to return to the venue in this season's FA Cup. Their 2021-22 campaign kicking off with a third-round visit to League Two side Swindon Town next Friday. The strength and depth of this City squad means they can routinely field a world-class second eleven. They are largely unchanged this season from the class of 2020-2021, with Jack Grealish's arrival from Aston Villa for a club record £100 million fee, a significant addition to their ranks, and the moves to Barcelona of Sergio Aguero, now retired, Eric Garcia, and most recently Ferran Torres, the only major departures. As the old adage goes, if it ain't broke, why fix it? The boss, Pep Guardiola. Manager, born January 18, 1971, in San Pedro, Spain. Previously, Barcelona B, 2007-08. Barcelona, 2008-12. Bayern Munich, 2013-16. Mikel Arteta's former boss and mentor is universally revered as one of the world's greatest coaches, his reputation having risen to new levels with his record-breaking achievements at Manchester City, where he has won eight major trophies. Pep was appointed in 2016 as the replacement for Manuel Pellegrini, arriving from Bayern Munich, where he won the Bundesliga in each of his three seasons. A Barcelona legend as a player, He rapidly achieved the same status as a coach, winning 14 trophies, including two Champions League crowns, during his four-year sojourn. The ex-midfielder's only previous coaching experience had been with the Catalan Giants B team. Number 31. The Sweeper-Keeper. Edison, goalkeeper. Born, Osako, Brazil, 17th of August, 1993. Previously, Ribeiro. Rio Ave, Benfica. Bought from Benfica for £35 million in June 2017, the 28-year-old Brazil international goalkeeper has proved to be the perfect fit for Pep Guardiola's city side, combining excellent agility with superb footwork and a command of his area that often stretches well beyond it. Having finally usurped Liverpool's Alisson, as Brazil's first-choice keeper at last year's Copa America, he has started all 20 of City's Premier League matches this season, keeping 12 clean sheets. Number 16. The Engine Room. Rodri, midfielder. Born, Madrid, Spain. 23rd of June 1996. Previously, Villarreal, Atletico Madrid. Rodri became Manchester City's most expensive signing when he arrived on a five-year contract in the summer of 2019 after a single season with hometown club Atletico Madrid, during which he won the UEFA Super Cup on his debut and repeatedly impressed as an all-purpose holding midfielder. The 29-cap Spain international has established himself as the first choice in that position for City, replacing Fernandinho and was a scorer in the 5-0 home win over Arsenal in August. Number 17. Player of the Year. Kevin De Bruyne. 
midfielder. Born Drongen, Belgium, 28th of June 1991. Previously, Genk, Chelsea, Werder Bremen, Lone, Wolfsburg. Signed in 2015, Kevin costs £55 million from Wolfsburg and has more than proved his worth. Once of Chelsea, the clever playmaker 30 is already considered one of English football's finest foreign imports and has been voted PFA Player of the Year in each of the last two seasons. Hampered this term by injuries, the Belgium international has not quite fired on all cylinders, but he was back to his best with two goals in last month's 7-0 rout of Leeds. Number 3. Footballer of the Year. Ruben Dias. Defender. Born. Amadora, Portugal. 14th of May 1997. Previously, Benfica. Ruben Dias joined Manchester City from Benfica on a six-year contract in September 2020 and enjoyed a scintillating debut season that ended with the Portugal international becoming the first defender to win the prestigious FWA Footballer of the Year award for 32 years. A tough, resilient and commanding centre-back, the 24-year-old has already won 37 caps for Portugal, helping his country to UEFA Nations League glory in 2019, shortly after winning the Primera League with Benfica. Number 10. The £100 million man, Jack Grealish, midfielder. Born Birmingham, 10th of September 1995. Previously, Aston Villa, Notts County, Lone. Jack was lured away from his beloved hometown club Aston Villa in the summer when Manchester City shelled out £100 million for his services. A talismanic skipper at Villa Park, where he enjoyed two eye-catching Premier League campaigns following the club's 2018-19 promotion, he duly graduated to the international stage with England and was a star of Euro 2020. Now capped 18 times by his country, with one goal, the 26-year-old is still waiting to catch fire with City. Number 20. The Sweet Left Foot. Bernardo Silva. Midfielder. Born Lisbon, Portugal, 10th of August 1994. Previously, Benfica, Monaco. Signed by City in 2017 after a brilliant Liga 1 title-winning season with Monaco, Bernardo has proved an outstanding addition to Pep Guardiola's squad, nailing down a regular Premier League and Champions League starting berth this term with some top-class performances and important goals. Skillful and shrewd, the 27-year-old left-footer was voted player of the tournament in Portugal's 2019 Nations League triumph and has now made 64 appearances for his country, scoring eight goals. Number 27. The roving fullback, João Cancelo, defender, born Barreiro, Portugal, 27th of May 1994. Previously, Benfica, Valencia, Internazionale, Lone, Juventus. A supremely athletic right back who is equally comfortable playing on the left, João is enjoying a brilliant third season for Manchester City having established himself as an essential component of Pep Guardiola's side, both in attack and defence. He arrived as an Italian Serie A champion from Juventus in August 2019, having also impressed for Valencia and Inter. Capped 31 times by Portugal, 
His first Premier League goal of the season was a stunner in the recent 4-0 win against Newcastle. Number 9. The number 9. Gabriel Jesus. Forward. Born Sao Paulo, Brazil. 3rd of April 1997. Previously, Palmeiras. For so long in the shadow of Sergio Aguero, Gabriel was expected to establish himself as the undisputed spearhead of the city attack following the club legend's summer departure, not to mention an unsuccessful bid for Tottenham's Harry Kane. But the Brazil international's fifth full season with City has largely been spent out wide. Though still only 24, the City number 9 has been capped 52 times by Brazil, scoring 18 goals and has found the net on each of his last two starts against Arsenal. Visitors, Manchester City, Scouting Report, Words, Michael Cox, Photography, Getty Images. Having worked under Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, Mikel Arteta should be well-placed to work out City's tactical approach here. But then, even by Guardiola's standards, this is a very unpredictable City side. The departure of Sergio Aguero plus Gabriel Jesus's tendency to play on the right and Ferran Torres's injury problems mean City have regularly played without a conventional striker this season. Guardiola has used various players as his notional forward. Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish and Guardiola doesn't appear to feel the need to settle upon one man to play there regularly. It is arguable that Foden has fared best in that role, leading the pressing brilliantly in a controlled 1-0 win at Chelsea and dragging defenders out of position throughout the recent 7-0 thrashing of Leeds. Silva looked good there in a Champions League victory over PSG, but has excelled in deeper positions from where his dribbling through the opposition has been effective. Mares isn't always comfortable receiving the ball with his back to goal and prefers cutting inside dangerously from the right onto his left foot, while Sterling has now recorded 100 Premier League goals but is most effective when popping up at the far post. De Bruyne is capable of playing anywhere and at his best is surely City's most dangerous attacker although arguably the side's best performances this season have come during his injury absences. Grealish scored a bullet header against Leeds recently, but is still settling in at City. Jesus, meanwhile, played centrally for the recent 4-0 victory at Newcastle, although didn't get on the score sheet, and was highly effective from the right in City's 5-0 win over Arsenal at Etihad last season, a game where Torres scored twice. In summary, it could be one of eight leading the line, and that's not including Ilke Gundogan, City's top goalscorer last season, whose goalscoring tends to come after late runs from midfield. However, with so much attacking talent in this squad, has often played deeper. He or Silva will play alongside Rodri, who has been outstanding this season in a deep midfield role and is also capable of shooting dangerously from distance as he demonstrated with a fine goal in the reverse fixture. Club captain Fernandinho remains a dependable option. Extra midfield creativity comes from the fullbacks. Jao Cancelo is capable of playing on either flank and can produce remarkable balls over the top of the opposition, often with the outside of his right foot. 
Alexander Zinchenko assisted Morris Gold at Newcastle recently with a lofted cross from a narrow position on the left, while Carl Walker brings speed from the right back and has sometimes been fielded in the middle when Guardiola wants to cope with the speed of Arsenal's attack. Eimerick Laporte has regained his position as a regular alongside Ruben Diaz, with John Stones also available. Edison remains outstanding in terms of distribution, although he has made a couple of recent errors when sweeping. USP Ball Hogs Yet again this season, Manchester City lead the way in the possession stats in the Premier League. They have had the ball for an average of 67% of each game so far this season. Clear of Liverpool, 63% and Chelsea, 60%. It should come as no surprise. City have topped this particular table in each of the five seasons since Guardiola took over in 2016-17. stroke Match action. Arsenal versus Sunderland. Arsenal 5, Sunderland 1. Arsenal scorers, Nataya, 17th minute, 49th minute, 58th minute. Pepe, 27th minute, Patino, 90th minute. Sunderland scorer, Broadhead, 31st minute. Tuesday, December 21st, 2021, Emirates Stadium. Timeline, 17th minute, Nataya opens the scoring from close range. 27th minute, Pepe makes it 2-0 with a left-footed shot from the right. 31st minute, Broadhead chips over Leno for 2-1. 49th minute, Nataya is there again to convert a Tavares cross. 58th minute, Nataya seals his hat-trick with a superb backheel flick from Pepe's cross. 90th minute, Sub Patino slides in to net on debut. Talking heads, Eddie Nataya. It's amazing. It's great to go through to the next round and obviously lovely to score a hat-trick in the process. It's a different feeling to my debut against Norwich, but that night will always live long as a special memory. It's another one to add to the collection and obviously it's nice to get my first senior hat-trick and now I'm hungry for more. Mikel Arteta When you win football matches, everything looks much better. We have to be consistent with the decisions that we make Keep trying to improve all the time the way we play. Perform better and better and the results will come. They're coming right now and now it's about consistency. There's a lot of games coming up and we want to maintain that form. Facts Charlie Patino became the 886th player to represent the Arsenal first team. Our fifth goal was the 900th we've scored at Emirates Stadium in all competitions. We've reached our 31st Cup semi-final in the past 30 seasons. We reached the League Cup semi-finals for the 16th time in our history. Match Action Premier League Sunday December 26, 2021 3pm Carrow Road Norwich nil, Arsenal 5 Timeline 6. Saka cuts into score on his left foot. 44. Tierney doubles the lead after a great Odegaard pass. 67. Saka strikes from outside the area for 3-0. 84. Lacazette is fouled in the box and gets up to make it 4-0. 90. 
Smithrow comes off the bench to complete the scoring. Talking heads, Thomas Partey. We feel very happy. This is a game we really enjoyed. We've had a couple of games now where the team is doing very well and performing. And I think this is what we have to keep doing. We are working harder. We are doing what we have to do. Everyone is playing their role very well. And that is the mentality the coach wants us to play with and enjoy on the field. And that is what we are doing. Mikel Arteta. It's not easy to win away from home in the league. The way we performed, how dominant we were from the beginning and the quality that we showed throughout the game, it was really impressive. Facts. This was our joint biggest margin of victory away from home in a Premier League match, level with 6-1 victories at Middlesbrough in April 1999 and Everton in August 2009. At 20 years and 112 days, Bukayo Saka is the second youngest player to score 10-plus Premier League goals for us, after Nicholas Anelka, 19 years and 225 days. No side has scored more Premier League goals via substitutes than Arsenal this season, five, while Emil Smith-Rowe is the player with the most goals off the bench, three. Supporters Voice Patrick McCraney tells us about the man who inspired him to support the Gunners from across the Atlantic, Chris Combs. Above everyone else, two people are most responsible for making me an Arsenal supporter, Thierry Henry and Chris Combs. Although things are changing, very few football fans in the United States are born into supporting a club. For most of us, there came a point where we had to choose. In the early 1990s, when most of the still small number of Americans who cared about the Premier League were gravitating towards the soul-crushing choice of supporting Manchester United, Chris decided to go against the grain. He declared once and for all that he would forever love the Arsenal, much to the dismay of his classmates in Wisconsin. Chris stuck with it too. While attending university in England, he travelled to North London to attend his first match, a 2-0 win over Sunderland at Highbury on September 28, 1996. It's a peculiar date, considering the man who would transform Arsenal, Arsene Wenger, would take over the very next match. Chris would return to the UK a decade later, this time with me in tow, to watch us throttle Blackburn 3-0 in the FA Cup semi-final in Cardiff. Robin Van Persie slid two past Brad Friedel and Robert Perez added another. We'd never been happier to see one of our countrymen fail, but there was one glaring disappointment. Thierry Henry missed the match with injury. As happy as we were to see Arsenal win, we were sad to miss the King. He would return again to see Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium a decade later, now with his wife by his side. Between those trips abroad, Chris found his home away from North London, a pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin called The Highbury, where a growing number of gooners watched games, often at obscenely early hours. We eventually did get to see Henri play live, albeit for the New York Red Bulls against Chicago Fire. His inch-perfect corner dropped to Dax McCarty, 
resulting in the equaliser. After the goal, Henri held a finger to his lips, silencing the Chicago fans who dared to question him. There have been plenty of ups and downs since Chris first declared his love for the Gunners. Plenty of chances for an American, who wasn't born into Arsenal fandom, to let his support wither away. But there comes a point where supporting a team isn't just something you do. It's who you are. And Chris Combs is Arsenal through and through. Know an Arsenal fan whose story should be told? Perhaps they have gone to great lengths to show their support for the Gunners, battled against difficulties in their lives or shown great compassion for others. If you think you have a story, we need to hear it. Email us at programme at arsenal.co.uk. Every supporter featured will receive a unique, personalised version of the Matchday programme featuring their story. Teams. Teams. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, red and white hoop socks. One, Ben Leno, goalkeeper. Three, Kieran Tierney. Four, Ben White. Five, Tomas Partey. Six, Gabriel. Seven, Bukayo Saka. Eight, Martin Odegaard. Nine, Alexandre Lacazette. Ten, Emile Smith-Rowe. Fourteen, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Fifteen, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Sixteen, Rob Holding. Seventeen, Cedric Suarez. Eighteen, Takahiro Tomiyasu. Nineteen, Nicolas Pepe. Twenty, Nuno Tavares. Twenty-one, Callum Chambers. Twenty-two, Pablo Mari. Twenty-three, Albert Sambi Lokonga. Twenty-five, Mohamed Elneny. Twenty-six, Follerin Balogun. Thirty, Edian Kitia. Thirty-one, Seat Kalasinak. Thirty-two, Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. Thirty-three, Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper. Thirty-four, Granit Xhaka. Thirty-five, Gabriel Martinelli. Eighty-seven, Charlie Patino. For Manchester City, manager Pep Guardiola. Light blue shirts, shorts and socks. Two, Kyle Walker. Three, Ruben Diaz. Five, John Stones. Six, Nathan Ake. Seven, Raheem Sterling. Eight, Ilkay Gundogan. Nine, Gabriel Jesus. Ten, Jack Grealish. Eleven, Alexandra Jinchenko. Thirteen, Zang Stefan, goalkeeper. Fourteen, Emerick Laporte. Sixteen, Rodri. Seventeen, Kevin De Bruyne. Twenty, Bernardo Silva. Twenty-one, Ferran Torres. Twenty-two, Benjamin Mondi. Twenty-five, Fernandinho. Twenty-six, Riyad Mahrez. Twenty-seven, Joe Cancelo. Thirty-one, Edison, goalkeeper. Thirty-three, Scott Carson, goalkeeper. Thirty-seven, Kaiki. Twenty-five, Phil Foden. Forty-eight, Liam Delap. Eighty, Cole Palmer. Eighty-seven, James McAtee. Referees, Stuart Atwell. Assistant referees, Konstantin Hatsidakis, 
Simon Long, fourth official Kevin Friend, VAR official Jared Gillett, additional VAR official Derek Eaton. Today's other fixtures, Leicester City versus Norwich City, 3pm. Watford versus Tottenham Hotspur, 3pm. Crystal Palace versus West Ham United, 5.30pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. No room for racism. Twenty twenty one to twenty two membership. Red membership. My Arsenal Rewards. Priority ticket access. Junior Gunners. Twenty twenty one to twenty two membership. Junior Gunners membership. Discounted tickets. Membership pack. Join now. Arsenal.com slash membership. There is a QR code to be scanned on the print version of the program. Get the beers in. Camden Town Brewery. Official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Where we belong. New 21 stroke 22 third kit. Available in store and Arsenal Direct. 